Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Utena, and today we'll be discussing how you and your body are communicating with each other, and what message that's sending out into the world. So much about how we view energy and the body is one way. So much so that when I point out to clients, I'm looking at their energy moving healthily both from top to bottom and bottom to top. There's a pause. It's confusing to people because we focus so much on the top-down flow. Instead of seeing energy circulating like blood or lymph, we instead think of it like water going through a hose. In fact, Many energy healing practices focus primarily on this, putting energy out through our hands like leaf blowers, and ignoring entirely the fact our hands also act like vacuums, usually both at the same time. Most people leaf blow with the right hand and vacuum with the left simultaneously unless they focus. This causes all kinds of difficulties if they aren't aware I mean, doing healing work where people are releasing things and you have an active vacuum? You're bound to pick up some stuff and then have to spend time getting rid of it. Knowing things go in both directions allows you to turn off one side of things temporarily, or at least be aware of the issue and take precautions. Okay, so here's some other ways in which we see the flow of things as only going one way. We focus on universal energy, wisdom, insight, flowing down to us. We also know we need to ground ourselves so we connect our energy downwards into the earth or get it to sink down into quiet. We don't notice earth energy flows up in equal measure, providing energy, wisdom, and insight. We think of grounding as putting things into the ground, we rarely recognize it's offering things up to us in almost the exact same way as the universal flow. Healing practices can teach us how our body works, or doesn't, and that it's not only biology, it's symbolic and has a great deal of wisdom it's trying to impart. For example, there's a reason why a person would only get injured on their left side throughout their life, beyond klutziness, or why their thyroid suddenly stops working correctly, or why cancer shows up here and not there. Knowing this, we try to figure out what the message is and take healing action to stop the message and perhaps even go further to heal the underlying issues. The point of this process is that it's directional flow in the opposite direction the body as distinct messenger giving us information to act on. And in all of this, we have to be reminded time and again through a myriad of means that we're not disembodied minds floating around in body suits. We're not disconnected from the world, from others, from the environment, from our own flesh. We are intimately interconnected. This means we aren't objective observers of things, like scientists looking down at miniature mouse mazes. 
we're a part of this world. It's full immersion class participation here, folks. This is why I like to use the term conversation. Life isn't a monologue. We're in constant conversation with everything and everyone. One of the prime examples I use to help people understand this experiential back-and-forth conversation is tattoos. Body art, even if it's put in a private, covered place, is a conversation between the person being inked and the world, because tattoos aren't licked on by kittens, as a really good friend of mine once said. They are implemented by an artist and so are very much a conversation between the artist and the art bearer. The conversation broadens if the art is visible in public. I'm reminded of this periodically when I wear something which exposes portions of my back tattoo. Recently, I was in line to check out in the grocery store when a male voice behind me asked if my tattoo was a sword. I explained it was, and we had a brief, respectful, and fun conversation about why I chose this art and what it means to me. Life is a conversation, and sometimes having it out loud creates connection rather than distance. But tattoos are also conversations we're having with ourselves. Our body is constantly changing and becoming along with the rest of us. So adding or subtracting from it, whether that's losing weight, adding muscle, getting piercings, shaving, tattoos, plastic surgery, regular surgery, or what have you, is just part of the journey. We pay attention to what our body says to us, usually only when it's signaling a problem of some kind, but we don't pay attention to what we are saying back. With tattoos, we're saying one of two things. One, I am this and I want to acknowledge and honor it. Or two, I want to become this and I'm taking one further step along the journey. For those in the tattoo community who demand the right to have their tattoos mean nothing and just be pretty, I'm all for it. What this says to me is, they mean you did something you wanted, made yourself look the way you wanted, and you're happy the way you wanted to be. The same thing can be said for pierced ears. It doesn't have a huge significant meaning in our culture. At least it hasn't since the 80s when we were trying to figure out if the I'm gay earlobe was left or right, and what did it mean when a guy had both pierced. But having pierced ears is still a bit of a female rite of passage, if only because all the good earring jewelry options are pierced and everyone does it, etc., etc. It's a conversation to our bodies about who we are and who we want to be, as well as a conversation with the rest of the world through wearable art. So if we're talking back to our bodies, what are we actually saying? Well, to understand this, it's handy to understand the vocabulary being used. For example, let's look at the chakra system, which is seven energy centers stacked like a seven-light stoplight system from the pelvis to the top of the head. From the ribcage up, the energies are about mental and emotional processes, and from the abdomen down, 
They are about how we interact with the physical world. So in general, if our life revolves around activities which are all about the upper body and the head, you know, seated activities, writing, speaking, communication, things which use the hands only, computer work, then that's where the conversation stays most of the time. This can cause us to get a lot done on a daily basis, but not seem to get anywhere or make any progress in our lives. This would be in part because the getting somewhere body conversation happens a bit lower, in the legs and the pelvis. We admire people who have strong legs, who get things done, who are striding out in the world fearlessly, or seemingly so, but can avoid doing so ourselves with amazing skill and grace. Root chakra is in our perineum and pelvis region, and it's about survival, but most of us know it as fear. Fear of not surviving, of catastrophic failure, of not having enough to eat, of ending up destitute with only a Justin Bieber CD to listen to. Sorry, I went into a bit of a spiral there. Things don't usually ever get that bad, but you get the idea. We don't like being in this space or thinking about this aspect of ourselves. And yet this is where our hip joints reside, which are a major component to our being able to have freedom and mobility in the world. This is where our willingness to be flexible, or not, hits us most acutely. Are we able to bend at the hip joints, bend at the knees, walk fluidly, move with dexterity? How we move our body sends energy and messages back to our soul about these things. It affects not just our physical abilities, but our emotional, mental, and spiritual abilities as well. Because if it is true our unwillingness to bend in life has caused our hips to disallow our bending, then our unwillingness to use our hips through decades and decades has also reinforced our unbending nature, hasn't it? How can we move past our fears if we aren't willing to physically move at all? Being active physically isn't just good for our overall health. It's a conversation with ourselves, with our higher selves, and with the universe. It's the polo to the universe's Marco. If a person has knee joint issues, they may have ground down their ability to dance to everyone else's tune so they're unable to respond to anything at all. One way to help heal this or any other physical problem is to recognize the topic being discussed by the body, then start discovering what this actually means in context of the person's life, and start to take action to resolve it. Another and quite critical part of the equation, however, is how the action is taken, how much, and how effective it is. Many of us react to such issues like a child being told they have to get their chores done when they want to be out playing. They go through the motions with a snotty attitude, do the minimal they think they can get away with while sulking about it, and then escape as soon as they can. Treating the body as if it's an overbearing parent or a messenger bearing bad tidings is the equivalent of the snarky, yeah, yeah, I know. As we all know from having been a part of conversations like this, they aren't constructive 
they miss the point, delay the inevitable, and put a damper on the relationship, at least for the moment. Over time, such reactions destroy relationships. And since this is you and your body and soul and emotions we're talking about, it's not a good idea to become estranged. So should we all be Olympic athletes or actors in superhero movies? Heaven for fame. No. Nor should we all go to spend two years in an ashram or dedicate ourselves to a Shaolin temple to become kung fu masters, although feel free if this is something you're called to do. What we should be is balanced. We should notice how we're responding to the conversation we're having energetically and physically. We could even become literate in our responses so we can actually say what we mean. So many times I see what people are saying bodily, and it's a bit like listening to the ignorant frat boy in a comedy try to order in Spanish at a Mexican restaurant. We all mean well and are rarely trying to mangle things quite as badly as we do. But the results can be hilarious. If you're living primarily from the ribcage up, then start putting lower body activities into the daily routine and watch how not only your body changes, but how things in your life start changing. Projects which you haven't been able to get off the ground will start moving. Relationships which have been stuck in a groove will start unfolding in new ways. Dreams you thought might never happen, because someday never comes, start knocking on your door out of the blue. If you do things primarily on the right side, which is what we put out into the world, and you have that girly arm issue on the left, start doing things with the left. Not only does it make the hand more useful in general, but this is where we bring things into ourselves from the world, including relationships and validation, community and support, love and joy. The more ambidextrous you are, the more balanced these things become, and the richer your life. Spending all your time looking forward or looking back? Do something which gets you moving from side to side. I like Zumba personally, but pretty much any kind of partner dancing gets you there in a fun way as well. Because we're meant to be in the here and now, and living 360 degrees, not just on a linear trudge from birth to the grave. If you look at your life today, is what you're saying with your physical actions what you mean to say? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing how communication works in the Akashics. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.